regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. And we are going to be talking about, uh, well, I believe in infringement. It's certainly a, a right delayed is a right denied, in my opinion. And unfortunately, in the wake of the uh, Supreme Court's decision in New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin, many of the may-issue states are dragging their collective feet in terms of processing concealed carry applications uh, and ensuring that the individual right to bear arms in self-defense is uh, recognized. You know, not only have we seen, for example, San Francisco County uh, just ran across a story uh, earlier today that uh, they have received only 40 applications, according to the San Francisco Sheriff's Department, uh, since the Bruin decision was handed down. They have issued zero concealed handgun permits mm-hmm, since that uh, has happened. Um, in Hawaii, uh, some counties have started issuing permits. Hawaii County, I don't believe, has issued a single permit post-Bruin yet. Uh, And in New Jersey, well, actually, not even before we get to New Jersey, New York, the confusion over the Concealed Carry Improvement Act, the ironically named Concealed Carry Improvement Act, has led to at least one county simply not issuing permits. They haven't done so since September the 1st. St. Lawrence County says, well, we're, we're not sure what the law is. We're waiting on guidance from the courts and from the state government. And so for darn near six weeks now, all those applicants in St. Lawrence County who say, hey, I want to be able to exercise my right to bear arms have been told, well, don't know what to tell you. It'll happen at some point, but uh, not anytime soon. How, again, is that not an infringement? Uh, In New Jersey, we are starting to see some carry permits being issued. Uh, my colleague, John Petrolino, uh, had a piece of bearing arms just a couple of days ago about, uh, one of the, uh, plaintiffs in a, uh, a concealed carry case that was headed for the Supreme court actually has received uh, his permit. John is in the process of getting his. And, uh, once he receives his, I'd like to actually have John on the show to kind of talk about the, uh, the process. Uh, but last week in Cape May, New Jersey, there were a group of gun owners who actually protested outside of the Cape May courthouse. Uh, complaining about basically permits being slow walked uh, in the county. Uh, and then the uh, following day, the county actually held a uh, a series of meetings, I guess, is the best way to describe it, or a, a series of hearings uh, for those concealed carry uh, applicants. And the uh, permits, at least a handful of them, were issued. But even then, there seems to be some problems here. Um, one of the, uh, the judges overseeing these hearings, um, said that, uh, well, the permit is specific to the handgun that's listed on your application. In other words, you are only allowed to carry a specific handgun with your New Jersey carry license. Uh, the problem, according to uh, New Jersey Second Amendment attorney, Evan Knappen, uh, is that that's not what the law says. He says the judge apparently hasn't read the uh, 58-4A permitting law. In the very first paragraph, Knappen says, it says the permit is for any guns you own. Yeah, 
The uh, last sentence of uh, subsection 58-4A reads that, quote, one permit shall be sufficient for all handguns owned by the holder thereof, but the permit shall apply only to a handgun carried by the actual and legal owner of the permit. Uh, Nama said, Frank, I don't even know why the applicant would have asked. Well, uh, listen, I, I, I don't begrudge somebody applying for a concealed carry license to not be uh, an expert in New Jersey gun law. I do expect the judge conducting this hearing to know what he's talking about, uh, which, by the way, and that's kind of a screwy provision anyway, if you think about it. So, um, yes, this only the permit applies only to a handgun carried by the actual and legal holder of the permit. I guess applies only to a handgun, meaning that uh, this does not apply to a, a long gun. I, I, I guess, but it seems like kind of a silly thing to have to point out anyway. Uh, the problems, however, that gun owners are seeing in Cape May are anything but silly. Uh, Keith Woodrow, he's the owner of Full Metal Jacket Gun Range in Seaville, New Jersey. Uh, he was one of those uh, protesting last week, uh, is saying that New Jersey law established a process for obtaining a carry permit, but that the agencies that are processing the permit application, including the Superior Court, are slowing down the process. He says there were supposed to be 25 applications heard in court today, but there were only 11. He said that the administrative office of the courts in its own directive says that there is no hearing required for the gun carry permit unless there's something questionable in the applicant's background. He said the court is violating its own directives, in essence, by requiring these hearings, requiring you to show up uh, in court for a hearing, simply, in essence, to be told, here is your permit, right? Uh, Woodrow says that uh, there is a process outlined by state law. You've got 60 days. Actually, the state has 60 days to complete the background check and then turn it over to Superior Court. But he says the courts are then turning around once they get that application. In many cases, certainly it sounds like in Cape May County anyway, they're then sending the application packet to the Cape May prosecutor's office for another background check. So you go through one background check through your local law enforcement. The local law enforcement then sends this to the county or to the uh, to the Superior Court. And that's supposed to be the end of it, but the court has handed it over to the DA's office or the prosecutor's office, and they go through another duplicative background check. Why? I don't know. Maybe just to slow things down. Maybe just to uh, add some time uh, so that, you know, it's not an easy process for you to exercise your Second Amendment rights. Woodrow says uh, they, they don't trust that the municipal police departments are doing the background checks correctly. So now it goes over to Cape May County Prosecutor's Office, and that's probably two weeks right there. He says, so then they turn around and they send him back to the court, and then the court just sits on it. Okay, so he says the first hearing date is tomorrow, October the 7th, for uh, Cape May County, and they're only doing 25 people at a time. There are hundreds of people waiting right now. And he's not wrong about that. But uh, Jill Houck, who is the uh, trial court administrator for the Superior Court in Atlantic and Cape May Counties, says that uh, they are, quote, doing everything we can to process these as quickly and as efficiently as possible, but we're dealing with a backlog, she says. She says that uh, she had spoken with uh, Woodrow previously and explained that the Supreme Court made the decision about the carry permit law in August, and the Superior Courts were not given guidance from the state as to how to process the applications until September. The first hearings in both Atlantic and Cape May counties held October the 7th. Houck said that there would be 25 hearings in Atlantic County each week, 25 in Cape May County each week, saying that once the court gets through the initial backlog from August and September, it'll be able to process applications more quickly. Uh, we'll see. I sure hope so. 
But that doesn't change the fact that under state law, the state is supposed to conduct these background checks. It's not supposed to be an open-ended process. Let's put it that way, right? It's not supposed to be, well, I drop off my application and then maybe six or seven months from now, I hear back and I get my permit. And unfortunately, again, we're seeing this not just in New Jersey, but we're seeing this in New York. We're seeing this in Hawaii. We're seeing this in California. I'd be very curious to know if there are any uh, Maryland gun owners who are watching uh, who, who applied for their concealed carry license. Would love to know uh, how smoothly that process is going. But it sure seems like the May issue states or the former May issue states, again, are still doing everything they can to slow walk recognizing the Second Amendment rights of its citizens. Uh, Hauk also says that uh, people must understand that the uh, courts are still dealing with backlogs and delays caused by COVID. Uh, she said that the uh, the need for justice in routine matters of the court's operations is also uh, paramount. She said, quote, we have a full criminal docket besides these permits. People are incarcerated, have the presumption of innocence, and they want their cases disposed of. We're doing these permits in the order that they were filed. Look, I understand that, and I get that. Um, but if there is, if this amounts to an unfunded mandate on the part of the courts, the state telling these court systems and these local police departments, hey, you've got to go through all of this rigmarole before people can exercise their Second Amendment rights, and that is impacting the court's ability to both deal with criminal cases and ensuring that people can exercise their rights, well, there's a problem here. But you should not, nobody, nobody sitting in jail with a presumption of innocence should have to unduly wait because the court can't process their case quickly enough. But conversely, someone who's on the outside, someone who's not been charged with a crime, should also not have to wait an undetermined amount of time before they can exercise a fundamental individual right. And these interminable delays, in my opinion, do amount to an infringement on our right to keep and bear arms. So, will we see court cases challenging these delays? Maybe, probably. The problem is, it's really tough to find somebody with standing. Because typically what happens is, you see these lengthy delays... You file suit. We saw this back during the uh, the COVID uh, closures when the uh, city of Philadelphia, for example, shut down their gun permitting unit uh, in uh, Detroit. Uh, Wayne County had a backlog of more than a year for concealed carry applications and lawsuits were filed in both of those cases. Uh, in the case of Philadelphia, they simply reopened the, uh, the gun permitting unit and said, OK, we, we won't do that anymore. Uh, Wayne County, I believe, also said, okay, well, we'll we, we promise we'll process these applications uh, faster. But once you've gotten your permit, you no longer have standing to sue. And so these court cases can drag out, you know, two, three, four years at a time. Uh, and it is rare that the delays last that long, which is frustrating. Because we are clearly, I believe, seeing an attempt to slow walk the exercise of our Second Amendment rights on the part of these may issue states. But as long as they don't, as long as they keep crawling, right, as long as they're making tiny little bits of progress and eventually you get your permit uh, and you get your permit before you get your day in court. Again, it's, it's very tough to, uh, to challenge 
these types of lengthy delays uh, with a lawsuit. Now, again, not ruling out the possibility that we see this in the future, but uh, that is the difficulty, unfortunately, when you're uh, trying to fight this type of slow walking through the illegal system. Uh, unfortunately, in New Jersey and these other major states, that's really the only avenue you've got. If you've got a legislature that's hostile to your right to keep and bear arms, if you have a governor that doesn't believe that your Second Amendment right even exists, you're certainly not going to find relief there. And so the courts are the, uh, sadly, imperfect solution to this growing problem. Uh, We will keep our eyes on the uh, issuing of permits in these May issue states. We'll bring any updates as they become available. I'm also going to try to reach out to Evan Knapp and see if we can get him on the program in the next couple of days to talk specifically about what's going on in New Jersey, because I have a feeling this isn't just happening in Cape May County. This is happening all across the Garden State. In the meantime, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there with a story out of San Antonio where uh, three teenagers are accused in a uh, deadly shooting in West San Antonio. More than 400 rounds were apparently fired. This was uh, allegedly a drive-by shooting. That's what it started out as anyway. And a couple of uh, teenagers popped outside of the house that was being shut up and uh, fired some rounds back. Uh, Several dozen, apparently. And an innocent woman was shot and killed in the crossfire. Yesterday in San Antonio, a judge ordered a 14-year-old and a 15-year-old to remain in custody while the investigation continues. KENS in San Antonio reports that uh, both 14 and 15-year-old have been involved in uh, previous cases. The 15-year-old, actually involved in a couple of cases, uh, previously served probation as a 15-year-old for unlawfully carrying a weapon. 15-year-old also served probation for discharging a firearm. Now, this teen is accused of murder. It's his third gun-related charge before the age of 18. And the first two offenses... Don't do that again, young man. That's it. Probation. Not even sentenced to juvenile custody. The uh, 14-year-old was uh, put on probation for his role in a fight at his school in which a teacher who tried to intervene was injured... Uh, Both of the teenagers, by the way, successfully completed their probationary terms. That doesn't necessarily mean they didn't do anything wrong while they were on probation, just that they didn't get caught, right? Um, The 14-year-old getting involved in a fight at school, I find that a little bit more understandable than the 15-year-old who's faced uh, multiple weapons charges and has walked away with probation each time. A uh, 17-year-old who was also arrested over the weekend, uh, charged as an adult in this case, uh, Johnny Bermia, charged with a deadly conduct with a firearm. Uh, court records from uh, uh, Bayer County show that Bar Bermia was already out on bond for a previous charge. Back in August, he was charged with possession of a prohibited firearm. And the uh, DA's office says, even though he's accused of violating the terms of his first bond, He's also eligible for bond on this subsequent charge. So there you go. I know uh, there's been a lot of talk in Texas, especially on the part of uh, Robert Francis Beto O'Rourke, about the need for more gun control laws. Mm-mm. No, I don't. I don't think so. But I do think it's time that uh, Texas and frankly a lot of other states get really serious and take a long, hard look at the juvenile justice system and what's actually happening here. Because I don't think we're seeing rehabilitation. We certainly aren't seeing incarceration. So what the hell is the point right now when you're seeing cases like this?
Now, today's Armed Citizen story from Chicago. Uh, I got to tell you, this one's a couple days old. I try to find stories that are at least within the you know previous 24, 48 hours. I meant to talk about this last week, however, and then I got caught up in some other Armed Citizen stories. So I want to revisit this. Uh, concealed carry holder shoots burglar in Chicago. This was a week ago. This report comes from a CWB Chicago. Uh, Chicago police responded to the victim's home around 6.30 last Tuesday uh, on reports of a shooting. Uh, the uh, homeowner in question say that uh, said that there was a, a burglar who charged at him when he returned to his home in the uh, Chinatown neighborhood. The 32-year-old, who is a concealed carry holder, said that uh, he saw his garage door open and there was a bike leaning up against his garage when he returned to his home. Uh, and when he peeked into the side door of the garage, that is when the uh, suspect, Tyrone Underwood, allegedly charged at the homeowner. The victim took a step back, pulled out his firearm, shot Underwood once in the abdomen. Uh, police found the victim's uh, PlayStation, some slippers, some easy slippers, by the way, not just any slippers, uh, and an Apple iPod in the garage, uh, all of which had apparently been removed from the man's home by Underwood. Uh, cops, during the course of their investigation, determined that Underwood entered the victim's home through an unlocked second-floor window. Yeah, and then ransacked the residence. Um, Underwood was previously convicted of manufacturing delivery of a controlled substance in 2011, unlawful use of a weapon in 2012. He's also been convicted, according to CBB Chicago, of, quote, burglary-like misdemeanors in a more recent years. Charged with criminal damage and trespassing in February of 2019. Uh, three weeks later, charged with misdemeanor theft of lost or mislaid property. Uh, and now... Facing burglary charges, but uh, that's going to be after, I guess, he gets out of the hospital after being shot by the armed citizen who is acting in self-defense. Finally, today's good deed of the day, in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, two decades ago, a police officer in Escondido, California, reuniting with the 22-year-old woman that he saved as a baby. And what an incredible story this child, and now young adult, has had. Natalie Young uh, is the young woman's name. And uh, it was back in 2000. She was six weeks old when she was saved. Um, it was Sergeant Jeff Valdivia, who still, by the way, works for the Escondido Police Department who was the first on the scene 22 years ago. He responded to a house on the south side of the city and found this little six-week-old child laying on a bed with a meth, a meth pipe nearby. Uh, Valdivia says she was underweight. Of course, the house was a mess. Baby was placed in protective custody and was adopted on New Year's Day. Natalie said that she grew up knowing that she had been saved by a police officer as a child. And that directed her towards a career in law enforcement. And so she's getting ready to graduate from the Sheriff's Academy. She'd been talking to her mom about, I wish that there was a way that I could thank that officer. Well, her mom works in dispatch. And so she started looking around, uh, asking some questions, and was able to get in contact with uh, Jeff Valdivia and invited him to Natalie Young's graduation. Uh, Natalie Young said, my mom sat me down. She was like, I found the officer that saved your life. Uh, and she said, uh, I, I couldn't even speak. He's coming to my graduation. 
Uh, he's going to pin a badge on me? And so that's exactly what happened. Natalie Young, at her graduation, had a chance to uh, reunite with the uh, man who saved her life and who changed her life. Natalie uh, lives in Colorado, so she's not going to be able to uh, hang out with uh, Sergeant Valdivia all that often, but she does say that uh, she wants to stay in touch. Sergeant Valdivia, meanwhile, says that just being invited to graduation was a huge honor, but being asked to pin her badge on was definitely a career highlight for me. You can just tell that she cares about people. She's going to make a great cop. So in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing, and getting that reward decades later, Sergeant Jeff Valdivia with the Escondido, California Police Department, we thank you for your very good deed. And Natalie Young, we wish you all the best in your uh, new career in law enforcement. That is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as well. We'll be back tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. But you can also get that at BearingArms.com. And, of course, I would encourage you to check out the website multiple times throughout the day. We are constantly updating with the uh, latest 2A news that you should know about. If you like what you see, I'd also encourage you to become a VIP member at Bearing Arms. Just go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS and you'll get a significant savings on your VIP membership. As our way of saying, thanks for showing your support. We're going to give you exclusive content, new stories, and analysis you won't find anywhere else because your support does matter, and it really does make a difference. So thanks again. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Looking forward to talking again tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.